You're listening to Give and Go Vikes with Liam and Tyler, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. Bikes, the show that brings you closer to the world of bike sports as we host some of the best current and former student athletes. Today on the show, we've got a pair of champions from men's rugby. We've got James O'Neill and Moss Finley, who were part of the team that brought home first place at the Canadian University Rugby Championships this past year in Montreal. Both these men have experience playing with Rugby Canada and also stand out as leaders on and off the field. A couple heaters, Tyler. How fun were these guys to have on? This was a treat. I've known Moss a little bit just because he's helped us out running some soccer games and basketball games in the past. I think I've spoken with James once, maybe twice before. Didn't really have a good handle on him. I've heard lots of stories about how great of a guy he is. But after we did this podcast, I walked over and I grabbed the Oxford Dictionary I often keep handy around in my house. And I looked up the term beauties and I found a picture of these two dudes. These guys are great guys. They were great to have on the podcast. And once again, too much fun. We're having too much fun on this thing. These are the kind of guys that if you bump into them anywhere on campus, you're stoked to see them because you know that they're going to be fun guys to talk. I'm really happy that they volunteered themselves to come on the podcast and share a little bit more about the men's rugby scene uh, with the bikes. Yeah, it sounds like, I don't know if we touched it on the pod or after we just hung up with them, but it seems like a couple of athletes now are starting to, they've listened to a couple episodes and people are getting an idea of what this podcast is all about and We've had the month of July and August. It's just great show after great show after great show. Not not that the first shows weren't, but I think it was just a little, people were unsure what they were getting themselves into. And I think the word's starting to spread around, which is great to see. I think so. I think if we want to make it overt for anybody that wants to come on any of the shows in the future, we love the banter. We like to go back and forth, get a little bit chippy play outside the lines a little bit, test the waters. And these guys, like we said, they brought the heat. We loved it. Yeah, I slipped up for one second when I was talking about the Chancellor's Award. Like, I corrected myself almost instantaneously, and James was already jumping down my throat and giving me a hard time. And he was apologizing after the fact. That there's no need. That's the kind of – it reminds me of being on teams growing up and in high school and whatnot. Lots of fun. And that was hilarious because he – He's a listener to the show, and he, he knows kind of how we operate, so it's too funny. He had his background info dialed. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, without any further ado, this is a little bit of a longer podcast, so we're going to keep the intro and then the outro short. Uh, so we'll jump right to our interview with James O'Neill and Mawson Finley. Boys, how are we doing today? Yeah, I'm doing, doing great. great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us. Huge fan of the show. Huge fan of the show. Unreal. I'm, so, I'm very excited that you guys are on here. So you guys know each other quite quite well. You both moved out to BC to attend Shawnigan Lake School, played U18, U19 rugby with Team Canada, and now played together on the bike. So how cool has it been to progress to these different levels playing together? Yeah, it's great. I mean, obviously, uh, I met Moss in, yeah, back in Shawnigan. Had the pleasure of playing there at Shawnigan. I'm on the first 15 with Moston and yeah, it's been awesome. Obviously, like it's been great to grow our game together, and also you know just grow uh, closer as friends on and off the field. You know, had a, a lot of good times together traveling the world. So, Mawson, yeah. any input yeah. there? Just yeah, coming out of the prairies, both Jamer and I, we, we were able and lucky enough to 
obtain the higher level of rugby. Definitely huge, huge region as to where we are today in our rugby careers. I can remember some of my first rugby practices out at Seanigan. A little bit rougher for me because Jamer had already been there for a year and I had not much experience playing at the higher level. But since then, no, we've uh, we've definitely gotten a lot closer, a lot of cool experiences together that not very many people can say that they had. So definitely, and no better guy to have done it with for sure. Oh, look at you, man. You want you want a favor or something? Why are you being so nice to me? <laughs> James, what is a young Boston like back in those high school days? Confident fella. <laughs> uh, yeah, fella. Boston was never shy. I never never remembered him as being a shy fella. Man, he just kind of exploded on the scene, you know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mawson, but originally he came to Shawnigan to pursue hockey, but kind of switched over to like to rugby and kind of more basketball, right? Yeah, I came out with all my hockey stuff because uh, they were starting the hockey program out there. Yeah. My dad has, and my family has a lot of experience with high-level football. Um, so that was always going to be the route for me when I was growing up at least. And then I was able to get out for a couple of practices for rugby and I kind of fell in love with it, so. 100%. Like, we, uh, we, yeah, we kind of met Moss and we're like, oh, who's this hockey guy trying to pass his rugby ball, rugby ball around? But, uh, yeah, he was able to gel with the boys quite quickly. And, yeah, just found his way into the first 15 pretty fast as well. So. Let's flip that. So, Moss, what was the young James like? Did he have Ooh. all his leadership capabilities that he's got these days? Definitely. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't come from anywhere uh, when you have an outstanding leader like Jammer. His values have held true definitely from the, from the start. I remember both because I also, outside of Sean again, being from the Prairies together, uh, we played on the, the Prairie. Wolfpack, yeah. Yeah, the Wolfpack team together as well. And that's where, because we were both younger guys at Sean again, that's where Jamer really stood out to me, bringing together a group of guys that don't always get that experience. And I think I've taken a, I've taken a lot of lessons from Jamer in terms of how he approaches the game. His routine has held steady from as long as I can remember in terms of his prep and always taking everything seriously. But saying that, James has also had a, a good few times outside of the pitch. He's able to let loose and he's good. He's a good guy. So no, it's young Jamer is very, very similar to Jamer now, always ready for a good time, but knows when to, uh, when he crosses that line, he can sw- flip the switch. Right on. One last question about Sean again. So it gets the comparison to Hogwarts a lot. You guys were sorted houses, right? That's right. Yeah. Were you yeah. in the same houses together or same house together? No, no, Absolutely definitely not. not. <laughs> so is it pretty cutthroat in the rivalries? Oh yeah, man. I mean, I don't know how it is now, but at least it was when I first got there. Originally, the houses were kind of divided, you know, depending on when you came to Sean again, whether you're an academic or if you came there to play a certain sport. But traditionally, Mawson's house, Duxbury, was a rugby house. And then the other rugby house was Ripley's. And then Lawnsdale's is more kind of the rowing academics. And Copeman's are kind of the Hollywood kids. They're, you know, the, high the, uh, the, the, fancy, the fancy guys on the hill. And my house, Lake's house, you know, we were just... Just grinders, really, man. More of the, uh, the leftovers, kind of misfits. But no, to answer your question, absolutely, man. A lot of rivalry between the houses. Who's the Slytherin of Seanigan? Jamers, uh, 100%. No, man. Get out of here. <laughs> Not even. Oh, man. That's a tough question, man. Maybe uh, Lonsdale's, honestly. Okay. Just kind of no, like, no one really likes them, so. Yeah, no, like, James's house is more of the Hufflepuff, I guess. Is it better? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moss and you more of a Gryffindor kind of guy. Oh yeah, Duxbury. Uh, Duxbury had to represent. So <laughs> right on. 
I'm going to have to make it up to the Seanigan part of the island. I've never been there. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's beautiful up there. Lots of cool sights to be seen, for sure. We want to start with on the pitch right now. And we want to know, there's a lot of work that goes into each season. So just walk us through briefly, if you could, what your off-seasons and pre-seasons look like for you guys as you get ready for a big season. Yeah, I mean, traditionally it's been pretty individual because, you know, our Coach Dougie knows that the competition we play in, it's a long one, right? So it goes eight months a year. And a lot of guys who come to UVic to play rugby need that need the summer to uh, work and save up for the year kind of thing. But um, I mean, I know a lot of guys, you know, they're pretty good on their own, staying accountable, being able to stay fit over the summer. But this year, lucky enough, all the boys, you know, we, we kind of started thinking about nationals and the season coming up probably around July, end of June. And I mean, I reached out to all the boys and kind of had a nice little conversation with them, kind of, you know, more of like from the mental side of things um, rather than the physical side. We just wanted to sit down and, you know, I just, we uh, just figured out what the guys really enjoyed from years past and what they wanted to see change. And then also certain goals that guys wanted to set, right? Like we wanted guys to come in day one, understand where they were and where they're headed and kind of see if they can, tick the boxes as they went through the season rather than coming in day one and then trying to figure out from there, right? They already had the mindset going in, so. Yeah, one of the uh, very cool things about last season was actually after Jamer did all those individual calls, we came together as a team and set. We had a full player handbook, which was pretty unique to this season about what our goals were as a team and as individuals to hold, hold each other and hold ourselves accountable. But even before then, one of the guys in our Facebook group that we have going, he was every day he posted how many days we had left until we departed for nationals. And I think that count started at like 160 days, I think, around that, James. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and every day, every day he sent a message, just counting it down. So every day we were reminded about what our goal was for that for this season is that was to get that national title. Yeah. Big time. And um, sorry, just to touch on it again. I remember kind of reaching out and talking to other guys. I was really trying to find, you know, with our group of leaders on the team, obviously Mossin being one of them, kind of a theme for the season, something that would kind of push us forward and get us going. And, you know, obviously it sounds a little bit corny, but I talked to uh, our boy Carter White, who's probably, uh, man, just probably one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. Great guy. But I just kind of asked him, you know, what do you think of a Vikes man, Vikes rugby player? What, what kind of stands out to you? And he just looked at me and he said, just to be noble. Obviously, just take the uh, the high road rather than the easy easy route. I mean, obviously, majority of the time we play against guys who are bigger, stronger, faster than us. You know, just the majority of us are uh, coming out of high school just in university. So, you know, it takes a little bit more just to get to that next level. And, man, when he said that, the hairs on the back of my neck just stood up and it got me jazzed. It got me ready to run through a brick wall, to say the least, you know. So, yeah, that was kind of our theme moving forward, and it was good. That's awesome. Yeah, that gave me the tangles just just hearing that. That sounds so sick. Yeah, that was good. I've heard about this handbook. Doug mentioned it when when up in the athletic department office at one point. Now, is that something that you came up with, James? Yeah, I kind of – I just wanted to have a way for the boys just to kind of – you know, because I'm a big believer in culture and culture is kind of the, the secret that, you know, really takes teams to the next level. And when you get that right, when you get guys off the field, you know, actually genuinely enjoy each other's company and, you know, show up to practice and are excited to play for the guy next to them, you know, it, it takes you a lot further. 
Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. I reached out to some great Vikes alumni, uh, Nathan Hiram, being one of them, who's already been on the show. Great interview with Nate and Doug. But yeah, reach out to Nate, John Moonlight, Phil Mack, Adam Kleberger, and kind of ask them a series of questions. Some answers I can't talk about uh, on this podcast, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, just about the stories they uh, enjoyed as a Vike. And then, you know, we also just set our values as a team, kind of our four pillars, and also just made sure all the boys knew uh, our Vikes victory song off by heart you know like if if we win a game it's a special moment and we want to enjoy it uh you know not as a not as a cocky uh standpoint but you know we just understood that you know we worked hard during the week we wanted to play hard you know if we hit our goal which you know obviously winning then we wanted to celebrate that and you know kind of had that feeling and should be hungry for more so yeah handbook is good i don't know uh how many guys actually read it i know i know a solid uh a core group of fellas uh, looked at it and liked it and you know that's sometimes you just need a top five ten percent to get everything going in the right direction so i think that's incredible to come up with a handbook and then to you said you made calls to everyone on the team i think that's an incredible level of detail and uh, excellent showing of your leadership skills doug tate he's referred to you several times he's not shy to say that he thinks you're one of the best captains he's had since he's been running the program and a lot of that went into why you won the chancellor's award this year during the online release of the UVic Bikes Athletic Awards. So uh, what did it mean to you to win the Chancellor's Award this year with Piper Battersby from Women's Rowing? Was it McKenna Simpson, was it not Piper, not Piper Battersby. Yeah. McKenna Simpson, it was her partner. I just want to get that correct. Sorry, sorry, Man, that, McKenna and that, Piper. That's uh, that's your trademark, hey, Tyler? Every every episode, you make one <laughs> oh, mistake. Smokes. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no. Man. James Keeps is interesting. Eh? He knows it. He knows that's Tyler's right, man. I don't know about your uh, opinion about Pitbull there, man. I mean, I couldn't imagine a few country artists singing Pitbull songs, but uh, not, <laughs> oh. nonetheless, nonetheless. Uh, wow. This is what I've been waiting for. I'm so happy this is happening. <laughs> don't worry. Hey, Liam ruins a name coming up in a future episode. You're going to have to listen One name. to so it. Yeah, but I'm definitely the clubhouse leader in that category. So. <laughs> Already throwing your guy under the bus, eh, man? Come on, you got to take those on the chin, man. Take oh, on the man. <laughs> but no, no, great. It's good. It's good banter. No, obviously, winning that award was great and all. You know, nice to have a personal achievement like that. But I mean, I was up against some stiff competition. Puck and McKenna, I mean, not, to tell you the truth, I didn't think I stood a chance against those two. They're such class athletes and class role models in our community. So yeah, I was incredibly humbled winning the award. Yeah, it was nice. But I mean, uh, looking back on the year, it definitely, I, w- I wouldn't say it was like, obviously it's a highlight, but overall, I mean, just time spent with the guys meant more to me than win that award. And having the team that we had really helped me win that award. I mean, obviously without the boys, you know, listening to me babble on about certain things wouldn't have made it possible. So obviously, it's, I mean, I won the award, but I think that award kind of goes to the uh, Vikes men's work program personally so a true captain statement there yeah I was just gonna say. <laughs> um the other the other thing i'll just touch on that handbook is that the journey when we were at in montreal for that uh national championship definitely wasn't easy and if i'm not sure how many people actually tuned into those games but a lot of the feedback that i heard echoed through social media it was our both the semifinal and the final were both grinders of games mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And that, that established culture from the beginning is definitely what brought us through to the end of those, the final minutes of those games that were able to push us over top of the competition to come home with it. You kind of touched on a little bit earlier, James. So you guys oftentimes are going up against guys who are like late 20s, early 30s, fully developed bodies. I've been playing the game for tons of years. So what are some of the, the things that you guys do as a team that 
give you like a particular advantage against those style of teams? Cardio. I mean, <laughs> yeah, That's big time, say. man. Cardio, big time, man. Cardio, cardio. Dougie always harps on us and puts us through the ringer most days at practice, just fitness wise. But yeah, traditionally, so we obviously we play um, nationals as well. So against uh, other universities in the country, the other competition we play in, which you know is a bit confusing for some people who don't know about it, is the BC Men's Premier League. So traditionally, it's it's been a league that. If people want to try and kind of punch our ticket to get on the senior men's team, they'll come out to BC and play in the league and try and get get a look for Rugby Canada. So traditionally, I mean, it's, the league isn't as strong as it was back in the past, but nowadays it's obviously still strong and it's still a challenge for us. So sorry to answer your question, basically. Uh, one thing that we really, really focus on, like Mawson said, is cardio and just honestly our speed and skills just you know, obviously we can't compete with the uh, the big boys. You know, guys kind of think they're thugs and try and push us around, try and bully us. Only a few of us can really uh, stand up to them. But, I mean, we just found out that we're more efficient just beating the guy around the corner, really grinding it down to the 60th, 60th minute, um, and then really just turning it on when they can't really handle us, really. So, yeah, Doug, just always make sure that our fitness is top-notch. And, I mean, Moss and you, man, you... Always seem to sneak in at the top there, eh? For the fitness trials there, fella. Just yeah, keep no, yourself nice top. I try I, I try gonna, my best. I was gonna say I see Mawson on the assault bike pretty frequently in uh in the gym here. Are you a big fan of the assault bike, Mawson, or is it one of those like you gotta do it but you hate it kind of things? Yeah, it's a love hate relationship with the assault bike. I get on it, semi loving it, while on it, absolutely hating it but definitely afterwards for the results I get from it. But the, the other thing about the skill and the cardio is the fact that we do a lot of our training at high speeds, high pace to keep that up and being able to execute at that high speed and high pace is huge for us because we could go a million miles an hour and drop a ball and it doesn't mean anything. So being able to execute at those high speeds really allows us to compete at that, at that level. So let's fast forward and talk about how some of those things played into you guys at the Canadian University Men's Rugby Championships. The two years since the tournament was founded, uh, you guys had finished silver one year, bronze the year before. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys came in ranked third this year. Is that right? That's right, yeah. So by this point, you guys also know it was Doug's last year with the program. You guys always obviously want to win, but did that give a little bit more fuel to the fire? Wanted to bring it home for Dougie? 100%. It was, it was very special for us to be able to do that with every, upon every step of the way and again going back to that handbook that was definitely one of our things was that it was bigger than just our team or it wasn't it wasn't bigger than the team but it was bigger than us as individuals mm -hmm. um going for that national title coming from dougie and ricker who've both experienced tons and tons of success throughout their career we wanted to leave it on a very high note for them and we knew we had the ability to do that so that was a, a motivator through and through for sure yeah, exactly. I mean, we knew Doug's been at the school for longer than a quarter of a century, which is pretty crazy. Um, and obviously, his secondhand man, the uh, the guy who really keeps us in check, Rick Farley, has been there. I think he's been there since the 60s, personally, but that's what rumor has it. But, and he's you know still fit as a whistle, still up. Oh, man, whenever you come to a Vikes game, you can hear his voice from the other side of the field, you know? And so we make sure that we're not you know making any mistakes, or too many, sorry. But... Yeah, no, that was definitely a major theme that we uh, tapped into. Yeah, Austin basically nailed that one on the head. Another theme, I mean, you, you talked about the uh, the first Nationals, we uh, came away with silver, and the second Nationals came away um, with bronze. And, I mean, we're 
at UVic uh, at home that hosted that nationals and we're incredibly disappointed with the result because we just knew we were better than that. So we actually hung a silver medal or that silver medal and that bronze medal up by the door of our change room for the entire months leading up to nationals. Just so, you know, it was kind of sit there as a reminder of the boys, you know, like how you want to be remembered. Do you want to be remembered as a, you know, second place finish and a third place finish? You know, is that good enough for you or do you really want to take yourself to the next level? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's massive. And having Dougie there, he's such a good guy, man. Like I know any of us would just do about anything for him. So having him as a leader really motivates the guys. He's definitely someone the boys look up to and really want to play for. So in the gold medal versus UBC, it was an all timer. I want to talk about the game a little bit, but first this was, I don't know, your fourth or fifth game of the weekend. The conditions looked terrible, but were you guys used to it and acclimatized at that point? Luckily, we have a couple of prairie boys, so the cold didn't scare <laughs> us too much. But no, it was, you can say you get acclimatized to it, but that's the mental toughness that I think a lot of the guys brought to the table is the fact that we didn't let it affect us. You see guys all bundled up on the sideline. It was cold and it was crappy, but guys were able to definitely be able to perform. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we knew the uh, the weather is bad, but, you know, I'm a real cliche guy here. But obviously, we knew the other team was playing the exact same elements, right? So we didn't want to make any excuses. We just want to show it up. We always just showed up, did our job, and worried about the next, uh, next game, next job. I'm a prairie guy, too. But living out here on the West Coast in the nice warm weather on both the island and the interior has definitely softened me up. I don't... I don't enjoy minus 20 like I used to. That's for sure. <laughs> no, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough, man. It'll uh, definitely put hairs in your chest. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, James, you scored a couple tries in that gold medal game in both in the 25th and 29th minute. You also intercepted a pivotal offload deep in your own zone. Was this one of the best games you've ever played for the Vikes? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. To be honest, I think I was definitely um, on point. It was a good feeling. It just felt, uh, felt like I was in the zone. I think... Personally, I don't usually uh, cross a whitewash, to tell you the truth there, Tyler. I'm usually, you know, just get my head stuck and do a rocker, you know, just try and make as many tackles as possible. But, yeah, I was lucky enough to find the try line a few times. And, yeah, I mean, personally, yeah, I felt definitely performed that game and hit all the goals that I wanted to achieve. Yeah, definitely something, definitely one of my fondest memories playing for UVic so far. Now, I hope I'm remembering this correctly because I know you'll jump down my throat if I'm wrong on this one, too. That's right. That's right. Weren't you off the field in the final minutes because you drew a card? Am I right there? That's right, man. You just you kept that up your uh, sleeve just in case I came at you, eh? <laughs> No, no, no. I just wanted to know. <laughs> yep. That was a little uh, clap back. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, man. I like that. I like that. No, no, but uh, you're absolutely right. I, um, yeah, we were basically, obviously, minutes were ticking down. We are in our zone, and I felt like I had an opportunity uh, to make a difference. Funny enough, seconds before getting a yellow card, I told the boys, hey, leave the ruck alone, like no more penalties. And then I thought I had it, man. I thought I timed it properly. I thought I got over, got over the ball in the ruck, and I thought I had my hands on the pill. And just in my head, I was just thinking, oh, don't let go. Like, we got this. And then, yeah, blew it up, looked up, and the referee, oh, man, he just looked at me like, you're an idiot. And, uh, yeah, gave me a yellow card. What, uh, sent off the field, and uh, luckily the boys really grunted it out, forced the guy to score in the corner and then unfortunately UBC or sorry fortunately uh UBC missed missed the kick but man I was sitting there in that sin bin thinking to myself like oh my goodness like if if that ball goes over I'm not getting back on that plane there's no way there's no way I can do that Jamer is also a stranger to the sin bin either he's 
you got to look at that all-time count on yellows as well. So that's right, man. Uh, at Seanigan, uh, one of my nicknames was Captain Penalty for sure. So yeah, yeah. Love the reason that. I brought up that yellow card is because it, I can't imagine how painful it was to see UBC, you know, marching down the field because time had expired, but they they just kept going and they kept inching and inching towards scoring that try. That that must have felt like it lasted hours for you. Man, yeah, we, I mean, for the longest time since my time at UVic, like we, that was the first time we've beaten UBC in what, Moss, in like six or seven years? I believe so. Going it's something back. like that. Yeah. But I mean, since my time at UVic, we've always been the bridesmaid, never the bride, man. I mean, the amount of times that that exact scripts played out where they've just, we thought we've finally beaten them. And then, you know, they always come back and beat us in the final minutes for whatever reason. I mean, it was insane. I was, yeah, it was painful, man. You know, bit a few of my fingernails off just waiting for that final result. But no, I got there in the end. And honestly, first time watching the national final since the game, I've never been more nervous re-watching a game, even though I knew exactly what was happening and stuff. And luckily had guys really carry us through and make an impact. I know Moss was definitely one of those guys who came into the game and just elevated us to, to the next level. And I mean, that's exactly one of the things we needed from the guys you know, everyone stay in the game for full 60 minutes and just raise it to another level. So to answer your question, Dal, yeah, incredibly painful, nervous, nerve-wracking. And then when the guy lines up for the convert, are you guys saying a prayer? Are you guys, <laughs> are you wishing evil on him? Because I, th I think Doug said that the guy who attempted the kick, he subbed in late, and that's usually a huge mistake in rugby to do is you never take out your kicker, especially for a moment like that. So when he's lined up for the kick, what's going through you guys' mind? Go ahead, Mawson. Ooh, yeah. No, there's a million things going through my mind. And just like James just said, we're always the bridesmaid and never the bride. I think a lot of us were thinking that this was just another one of those times where we were going to feel the heartbreak and UBC were going to come away with it. And no disrespect to their kicker either. Like the game never comes down to that one kick. There's a full 59, in this case, 65 minutes beforehand. So you can never put that, that loss on the kicker. But their other kicker was actually a left-footed guy. So coming off of that that right sideline, who knows what kind of damage had been made there. But I, I lined up and I think I just tried to run my fastest as I could to get off that line to throw him off as much as possible. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it's it's no longer in anybody's hands and you're just waiting, hoping that it uh, sailed right or left. And fortunate enough for us, it did. So, Such a tough thing to go through. Right? I mean, luckily, early in the game, you just said, uh, Tyler, that, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. You never – you try not to sub off your marquee kicker in the game. But luckily, um, I can't remember exactly when it happened. I think it was around 40, 45 minutes or so. But Gabe Casey actually flew to the line and absolutely clapped their 10, their go-to kicker. And, you know, obviously – you contact game people get injured and you never wish or you never hope that people get injured on the other team but i mean just you know on the other hand seeing him get subbed off was a bit relieving to be honest with you it took that pressure off a little bit and then yeah that was jack share and then they subbed on max and yeah just feel for him feel for the guy i mean well uh, honestly no you don't because we won <laughs> so but uh sorry sorry but little uh hard uh hard learning curve but uh no yeah it was good it was, to be honest with you i had nothing Nothing really going on in my mind, you know, as per usual. I was just kind of blank, but <laughs> definitely everything kind of fell silent amongst all of the guys. Uh, Doug and Rick are on the sideline. They were 
Hamilton, quiet, all the guys, they scored and we thought we were hard nosed enough that we got it into the corner. And we, and that again, at that point we were like, this is, everything's quiet. Like this is no longer nothing else that we can do here. They missed that conversion. What are those moments like after when you see it drifting off to the side? Oh, man. It looked good for the when it came off that tee. It definitely had the line and it, it drifted. And yeah, I um, thought it was going over. I thought it was going over from the sin bin, but it was pure elation. Pure elation. One of my favorite pictures of all time is just it's like a freeze frame of seconds after that moment. And you see Gavin Kratz, classic, just got his hands up in the air and he's just the biggest smile on his face. You got Gabe Casey, completely straight face, you know, looks like he just dropped his, you know, third or fourth mixtape, just dropping it like a boss. And, uh, <laughs> oh man, you had Mostyn and Jonas just hugging themselves. Just each other, relation. not ourselves. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Mostyn. <laughs> sad. Yeah. Hugging each other. And, but yeah, it was actually a nice moment as well. You see uh, one of the guys, Logan Martin-Feek, actually first thing he did was go over to one of the UBC players, uh, Donald Carson, just kind of help him off the ground, you know, kind of say good game, the absolute sportsman. And I think we can all learn a little bit from that. But, I mean, yeah, just pure elation, man. Awesome moment, awesome moment. Do you remember Doug and Rick at that moment? I personally don't. I The boys that saw them, apparently they had – I mean, Rick never smiles. I think I've seen him smile twice. I mean, that in, in my time knowing him, I mean, after the national final was won, and then I think he saw one of the kids kind of like slip and fall after practice or something. But <laughs> no, uh, apparently Doug and Rick had massive smiles on their faces, and they're hugging uh, each other. So, yeah, no, they're they're stoked, and it was a great feeling. So I got to ask you, did you guys get a chance to celebrate in Montreal after winning or did you uh, have to quickly jump back and rush on a plane? Went straight to the airport. Actually, we had to shower up in the change room straight to the airport and we actually shared the same flight back to Vancouver with UBC. Oh, no. God. Was that awkward? <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely didn't want to see us and we wanted to make sure they saw us. But no, it was... We made sure the celebrations were in due time and we we'd had a good time, but... Go straight to the airport. 100%. Unfortunately, I mean, I, funny enough, I obviously didn't want to, you know, jinx things or anything, but I tried to talk to Doug and Rick and see if we could stay for an extra night in Montreal, you know, just in case everything went according to plan. But unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. And yeah, just like Mawson said, we had to share uh, a plane with the UBC team. But just like Patrick Keane said in a previous episode, he was talking about how Obviously, the rivalry between UVic and UBC is, you know, strong, but it's definitely a love-hate relationship. I mean, we've grown up playing with a lot of those guys and know them uh, off the field quite well. I mean, obviously, you know, we are elated, but obviously you still feel for them at the end of the day. And, you know, you want to... So, but when we got back to Vic, uh, we had a bit of a bit of a get-together, so... Unfortunately, the school didn't like the idea of a rugby team staying in Montreal for an extra night with no with no worries. Yeah, something about that. Uh, I feel like that wouldn't go over well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if they think the orange juice is just too strong in Montreal. I don't know, man. But yeah. I thought you guys were just a couple of mimosa kind of guys. Just a nice Sunday morning mimosa. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, I could I could see Tyler uh, hitting a good mimosa. To be honest, absolutely. <laughs> No disrespect to the mimosa. No disrespect. Yeah, I'm not ashamed of it. I'll drink the fruitiest thing there is. That's my favorite go-to. I'm, I got no shame in my game. Good prairie boy right there. Good prairie boy. Love it. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, so let's talk about that rugby community because you said that uh, there's a lot of really tight-knit people in there that you've been playing with or playing against like for years and years. And behind the tackles and the hits, it's a pretty gentlemanly game and you guys end up hosting a lot of the teams for like drinks or some food after the games. Can you talk a little bit more about that part of the tradition? Go for it, Jamer. Thanks, well. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a massive part of the game and it's... Hearing a lot of older guys, you know, ex-Vikes, a lot, or Vikes alumni, or uh, you know, professional players, that you hear about them talking about the game when they got involved for the first time, and you know, that's really something that separates the sport, separates rugby from other sports. Uh, is that you know, we call it the third half. Yeah, right. We like to you know have a few couple casuals here and there, but I mean, it's you really do uh, make friends that lasts for life. And yeah, it's just really special. I mean, getting to know uh, your opposite number after playing the game, kind of knowing where he's from and just kind of developing that newfound respect for them. I mean, we, we always host them in, in Fells. And I mean, sometimes there's like an art class going on, like while we're, we're hosting the other team. But I mean, luckily we have a very uh, cultured group of fellas and, you know, they can appreciate that. But um, yeah, no, it's massive. Definitely part of the game that I have love and live for. And I think as rugby kind of gets more and more professional, that's something that's got, we got to hold on to and keep alive because it just, again, makes the sport so unique. Yeah. We can notice the same kind of rugby culture when you guys went over to Portugal for your spring trip this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We, we went over there. Um, first game, we actually showed to the wrong venue. Funny enough. And we showed up to a soccer field and we, somehow we got the wrong address. And I actually had a buddy uh, who's living there in Portugal that I met when I was uh, playing down in New Zealand. And luckily, I, I just reached out to him and he kind of like pointed us in the right direction. We were able to show up to the field about five minutes before game time. Boys ran to the change room, strapped their boots on and ran out to the field. And yeah, we, we played well and got a good result. And unfortunately, they didn't really host us after the game. But in the second game, I believe they did. And it was more of a... Yeah, it was definitely more of a, you know, they're getting to know us, getting to know where we're from, what we're about. And yeah, I mean, rugby is such, a, such an international language, man. I brought some of the uh, some of my old UVic stuff with me to Portugal, and I was able to trade it with some of the, um, the Belrose Bulldogs that we played against the first game. And yeah, I'd still have some of that stuff, and I have a lot of kit, you know, from all over the world, and it's, it's cool, man. It's just a cool community to be a part of. So yeah. I just, I'm just going to jump back a little bit here. So you mentioned that you like to call that the third half is when you guys like host the team. I want to ask okay. you, is the, is the fourth half when you guys end up at the house on Kenmore celebrating a little bit? Oh, no way. <laughs> 3.0 is famous, eh? We just made on the podcast. <laughs> no, man, that's, uh, that's actually the warm-up phase for the third half. Okay. You know, or more, you know, it's, man, it's, to be honest with you, it's kind of like that third half is kind of split up in, uh, into a quarter, into a game itself. It's just a whole nother game, man, really. I mean, we go to, go to Fells after the game, uh, say hi to the other team and then just kind of get together as a team and just do our own thing. But yeah, that, that Kenmore house is, is dangerous to say the least. I mean, I, I know luckily uh, we were able to host a pretty, uh, pretty good varsity get together. After we won nationals, luckily, you know, Moss and uh, he's very popular amongst the uh, varsity community. He knows a lot of people. Not, I mean, I don't know why they talk to him, but yeah, luckily uh, he invited a lot of people. And yeah, we got a lot of big group of people together and it was a, it was a great time. Wasn't it, Moss? Oh, yeah. Definitely enjoyed myself. It was a good uh, yeah. 
to speak to Jamesy talking about rugby being the international uh, international language. One of the cool things is that you can go anywhere in the world and show up to a rugby club and say, Hey, like I'm here to play some rugby. What do you got for me? And you'll, you'll find a bed somehow you'll find a job somehow and they'll make sure you're sorted and you feel comfortable. And then another cool experience that Jamer and I got to share was with the dog river howlers, which is an invitational rugby club ran out of Saskatchewan. They go on tours around the world and we got to go down to Columbia where they use they're trying to use rugby as a way out of the gangs on the streets and into the rugby clubs um and so they're starting that development down there and Colombian rugby is that has since become is climbing in the ranking charts but yeah go down there not very many of us speak spanish or anything like that but we all had a blast at all times because we'd just be out there playing rugby and it, it wouldn't really matter and that same in portugal couldn't really communicate very well with very many of the guys but you go out there, you have a drink, you have a laugh, you try your best, but it's all because of rugby. So Yeah, I mean, just like Carl Fix says, it's more than just a game, it's a way of life. And that was so true. You could see that when we went down to Columbia. I mean, for all those guys we were playing against, it was just it was their way out, really. It was just a new a second chance. And just yeah, so powerful, such a powerful sport to be part of. So so that's great that you guys have this community amongst your players and other teams and everything. But we're curious, what are some opportunities that you guys have to give back to the community outside of rugby? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Luckily, there's a lot of guys, including one guy I've always looked up to, Gary Duclo, who's actually a Vikes alumni. Reach out to him and he's just so involved into the community, community of Victoria. He's involved with a program called Meals on the Ground, where he goes, he'll go down downtown Victoria at first thing in the morning and kind of bring leftover food from Shawnigan because he's actually a, uh, he's a Shawnigan teacher as well. And he'll come down there with a few students and yeah, just give uh, food to people who need it. You know, people who are going through a bit of a rough time and I really want to do that with the Vikes boys this year, do a few uh, philanthropy events, but unfortunately just being student athletes, we just didn't have the time to fit it in, which is something I really regret. But yeah, I mean, with, with Seanigan, I know Mawson and I were both part of the uh, Shaw Service Club, which we'd go over, we, we'd do the meals on the ground, and we would also help out kids after school with learning disabilities, going to the Duncan and volunteer time there. And also we went to uh, retirement homes as well and just would kind of hang out uh, with the elderly. I mean, obviously, that's something that we can't do right now due to the pandemic and everything, but it's definitely an issue that uh, elderly struggle with, just that social isolation, right? Like kids, family moved away. They don't really have anyone they can hang out with. But yeah, I mean, d- did you enjoy that program, Austin? Did you find it was a good time? Or? Definitely, no. And the big thing with rugby playing into all of that as well is that it teaches you those values of uh, mutual respect and getting out into the community and helping. And as I mentioned before, the with the Dog River Howlers, they've done several uh, charitable trips around the world, helping develop rugby, but also bringing. I think on our first trip, we had about ten hockey bags worth of rugby equipment donations, as well as other clothing donations, school supplies, stuff like that. Again, at Shawnigan, I was a part of our uh, Edge program, which also does charitable trips around the world. So I did three weeks in Zimbabwe where we fundraised to build a brand new school block for some children up in the northern part of Zimbabwe. We worked at Antelope Park and built up a couple new lion reserve cages. And none of it would have been possible for me definitely without rugby. And I don't think I would be here being able to help 
others as well without it. So definitely a big platform. And as Jamer said, I'll say it again, it's Carl Fix echoing down my echoing down my neck. It's more than a game. It's a way of life. So yeah, it's a good model to live by. Absolutely. Mm. And some of those relationships are built upon even like off the field as well for you guys. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you guys obviously know a lot of the guys on the sevens team. You guys been over to Vancouver for the seven stop? Haven't missed a year. <laughs> Haven't missed a year. So what have you guys no. dressed up as over the years? <laughs> Tacky tourist, tennis player, farmer. All the super first- creative stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really got uh, really pushed the limits. I think I or this past year I did a speedwalker. Uh, <laughs> so you dress up as a speedwalker. Oh, uh, you have you have the running shoes, the high socks, the short neon shorts, the nice yeah. singlet number on right. the front back, headband, and obviously walking with intent. Very important. Um, very important quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I uh, I missed last year's tournament just because I had an injury that I was battling and still battling with uh, when the boys went over. But uh, before that, yeah, it went all the years. And yeah, I think I, uh, man, drew a short straw one year and had to dress up as a pumpkin. <laughs> you know, that was good. I think I went as a pirate the other year, maybe um, as a cowboy probably. But um, a, a, group, uh, a group of our buddies um, actually went scuba scuba divers. Okay. And it was really funny for the first five minutes. And then they, you know, because they were dressed full on wetsuits, uh, had the oh, tanks God. on the back, like flippers on, goggles. <laughs> After five minutes, they were dying. They were sweating, <laughs> sweating hard. Yeah, it was, it was good, man. It's always a good time. If you guys go, make sure, yeah, make sure you dress up. It's, or else, I mean, it's weird if you don't. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, uh, pretty cool tradition. I know I heard you guys talking to Doug and Nate about it. And yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild, man. It's pretty cool as well. Sorry. Um, just seeing the boys that we've gone to UVic with and guys who graduated playing on that the Canadian Sevens team and they always do their best, you know, to come over to us in the stands and everything and say hi, you know, when they have thousands of people like screaming at them, one uh, autographs and everything. And it's cool, man. It's such so cool to see that connection, keep that connection strong with those guys. So So I was over there this past year on Saturday and I, I saw a bunch of the rugby boys. There were two guys dressed up in rompers, I think, or Lockie and Jenner, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the yeah they were strutting their stuff. They they oh, knew yeah. they looked good, and they weren't afraid to go up and down those aisles to get more beers. They were not shy. <laughs> well, I mean, those, those two, they're they're kind of you know they they love to flaunt their stuff. They they're like to steal the center of attention for sure. <laughs> Lockie and Jenner, the dynamic duo, but oh yeah, yeah. man, they um, they would have loved it. No, it's a cool it's a cool dynamic over there for sure. Uh, What's that? What did you dress up as? Sorry, Liam. I dressed up as a clown, so I, last minute I needed to throw a costume together, and what I wanted to do was order uh, a Baby Shark costume off Amazon, but it wasn't going to get there in time. Damn, too so bad. I was like this clown amongst like 15 Miami Vice guys. Uh, <laughs> it would have been so much better if I was a shark with all these Miami Vice guys. It would have been hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it was good. It was a great time. I don't think I'm ever going to miss a year going forward. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to jump into a game. We've called this game the Take Zone, and you guys are the first two that get to play this game. How does that feel? <laughs> Man, let's, uh, let's set the bar high here, Mawson. Yeah. yeah. So, Paul most of the way here, buddy, but yeah. So it's a simple concept, but it's going to yield some great results, I think. So what we're going to do is Tyler and I always talk about hot takes, and sometimes they just come out of nowhere. So what we've done is we're going to throw out a bunch of subjects or topics to you guys and then ask for your hot take on it. So a little background, we've done some research, scrolled some Instagram feeds and Twitter feeds to see what we could find, talk to some of the boys, 
So we're going to get her going with one that I think is probably close to home for both of you guys, but I know it for sure is for Austin. Jean shorts, otherwise known as jorts. What do you guys take on jorts? You got to love them. You got to respect them. Anyone that's willing to go through and through and wear them, you got to tip your hat. Are you are you paying a lot of money for these shorts, Liam? Or are they kind of... Oh, they like are, designer jean shorts or no these are like <laughs> recycled your old your old jeans that you love so much but they're all shredded love it. So you cut them up i know that i know the moss has to take his jorts to the quarry i think oh, oh yeah. yeah oh yeah no. he's a big jorts guy but uh nope 100 jorts are a uh, summer essential in my books gets the uh, thumbs up for me 100 perfect fantastic my brother-in-law has a pair of jorts and it's not something i would try to pull off but he loves them and but they're like the neat ones they look like they've been perfectly made they're not they don't have a lot of character to them if you know what i mean yeah it's all about character man gotta get some oil and some grease stains on those jorts for sure and you're only allowed to port the the jorts at the beach or at the quarry if you're wearing your vikes men's speedo underneath so we'll get to those later don't worry (laughs) okay okay here we go Okay, we want to jump in, get into the food topics here. Liam and I are always talking about food on the show. How do you guys feel about eating breakfast for dinner? Big thumbs up. Quick and easy, uh, nutritious, you know, great family meal. Uh, Going to have to give that thumbs up. I know uh, from living with Jonas, that's a, that's a staple. A nice toasted bagel, two eggs, and an avocado for dinner. Classic, nice and classic. Quick, quick, clean, and easy. And then he leads, he leaves the dishes soaking for a nice couple of days before he dives <laughs> in to do those. So, <laughs> oh, is that is that a little uh, roommate tension? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tension yeah. Up there. Leave the domestics out of this monster. <laughs> we'll have to get Jonas on this. A few clapbacks, I think. Okay, yeah. I'm yeah, a big fan of the uh, the Kodiak pancakes, the protein pancakes Ooh. for dinner. Those are some nice fatso peanut butter on there. Those are really good. Man. Yeah. Slice up a couple I, I, bananas, a little bit of syrup on top. Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, sorry. I actually I used to crush those all the time, but found out that they actually have a substance in them that's banned from if you get tested in competition. I can't remember what it was, but there's some sort of red flag that came up with them. Unfortunately, like if you get tested, you can't have them. No way. I have to look. Which at is that. an absolute heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thankfully not getting tested for anything soon, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I don't have to worry as much as you would. Keep on enjoying them. <laughs> no, okay. Wait, can you have? Can you overdo breakfast for dinner? Like, can you do it if? You're having breakfast four times a week for dinner. Is that too much? Can you do it too many times? Sometimes that's the only option. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 That's, all, that's, that's all that's in the fridge. A couple eggs. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, but I mean, if you overdo it and you run out of breakfast, then you'll run out for breakfast for breakfast. And then you can't have dinner for breakfast. So that's a bit of an issue. Yeah, that's backwards. There's nothing good about that. Yeah. No, no. Okay. A good day at the lake. What's your take on that? Anything better than that? Uh, no, you can't beat it. Get on the water, go for some tubing. Almost. Austin, you almost. seem like a tubing kind of guy. Yeah, I I used to be a lot better, but now I've realized that after I used to go for hours when I was younger, but after gaining a couple pounds, I can only last like five minutes in the tube. The forearms are just burning afterwards, and yeah. I hit the water a lot harder now than I used to as well. So. Yeah, all uh, muscle, eh, Mawson? All muscle. Oh, definitely, especially after yeah. COVID. I've been keeping yeah. it lean. Out of boy, out of boy. Yeah, no, lake, lake days, can't beat them, can't beat them. What lakes are you guys going to out there? Because the lakes here right now are still, like, there's just no beach right now because the water's still so high. It's unheard of to be this late into summer to have no beach. Going up to Shawnigan Lake, it's a good spot. Actually, and just the finished quarry it. as well. The quarry is beautiful. I actually just finished a weekend out at Hornby. 
so not really a lake, but uh, enjoying the ocean out there. So there's a couple spots. We don't we don't want to reveal all of our all of our secret spots though. We don't want too many people going out. Yeah, no, plenty I mean, plenty of fans of the Vikes rugby team. So you may have some groupies coming to these spots if you're not careful. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, if they want to swing by and uh, purchase a pair of Vikes speedos, we'll be able to help them out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we got two Prairie boys on here. How big are you guys with line dancing? Oh, you, you're in for a good time if you catch either Jamer and I at the Duke on a, on a Saturday night after a win. <laughs> what kind yep. of dance are we talking here? Are like Con I Joe? Man, uh, to be honest with you, uh, line dancing, the only real line dancing I know is to uh, Cadillac Ranch. Um, but I mean, swing dancing, 100%. Me and Austin, swing dance experts. That's actually what we're getting our minor in. So it's good. <laughs> it's a good time, man. It's a good time. Are you able to do some line dancing there, Tyler? Or? No, I'm not. You, I'm just not a dancer, period. I mean, I'll go attempt it. I'll get out there in the line, but I'm the guy who's like looking around, making sure I'm copying everyone else and I'm bumping into people. It's, I enjoy it, but it's not fun for anyone else. Hey, man, all about that effort. As long as you give that effort, man, no one can fault that. Yep. That's true. That's a talent you could work on during COVID. You could come back and be the best line dancer yeah. there is. Yeah. That's awesome. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, Austin, I, I did some digging, and you seem to like to repost a lot of things about LeBron James. Are you a big LeBron fan? I do like LeBron. My hot take right now, greatest player to ever play basketball all around. Better than MJ. Better than MJ. MJ leaving a lasting impression, obviously changing the, the brand of basketball. LeBron, though, you can't, you can't deny that stat line. Yeah. I'm on board yeah. with that. I, I believe LeBron is the best basketball player of all time. Yeah. I'm in that camp. It just doesn't feel – I'm not comfortable saying it out loud. I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. And, like, the other thing, like, his, it's his longevity too, right? How, he's been doing it so long. Who knows how long he's going to keep doing it. He only got hurt, really, for the first time last season. I mean, the guy is just one of the greatest the specimens machine. we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. James, what's your take on LeBron? Big fan? I mean, uh, personally, I'm not really uh, a basketball guy, to tell you the truth. Um, but, I mean, obviously, it's LeBron James. Right? Like, everyone knows LeBron James. I do have a lot of respect for him, you know, in the obviously one of, if not the greatest of all time, right? But, yeah, I don't know, man. He's, he, he loves jumping into political debates online a lot. And, absolutely, may, he may be qualified to talk. I don't know if he is. I don't, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like, I mean, I'm just some guy, right? But it just kind of <laughs> seems like he's, uh, he makes it a lot about himself. And I mean, I'm, I'm a big team guy and, you know, so I absolutely uh, respect his dedication and the way he approaches the game. But yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. He's, he's all right. He's, he's doing well for himself. Yeah. You don't have to worry. This podcast isn't going to get to LeBron James. You can say something. About <laughs> hey, man, you don't know that. It could, it could explode. This could be the one. This could be the one. One yep. day. Yeah, 100%. But I'll say that I think LeBron James is very thirsty. I think he loves having the, him be the center of attention, which is fine, I guess. But He's competitive, man. Yeah, he's competitive. So COVID right now, off season, kind of for you guys. Are you, do you guys go to the driving range a lot? Whack a couple of balls. You could you could find me on Blink and Slop uh, every once in a while. Couple Dude, buckets. I I'm kind of useless at golf. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd say uh, I'd love to say that I'm a mini golf expert, but even that I struggle with. You know, like just studying the greens, it's, it's tough. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, not really a golf guy. Not really a golf guy, unfortunately. I know I'm pretty boring. Pretty boring, but. <laughs> Mawson, has your swing gotten any better recently? Not really. 
uh, a little tight in the hips, not much torque coming through it, but uh, I give it my best effort. Yeah. That's where I find the difficulty too. I have no hip mobility. I don't know mm-hmm. how to work on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get some private lessons with our boy, Max Pollen. Yeah. He, he's been Man, working hard out if there. If you're looking so. for a guy that keeps it calm and cool and also has a beautiful swing, that guy can play golf like nobody yeah. else. It's crazy. Nice swing. Yeah. Tyler, next take. Oh, no, it's me. Uh, yeah, with you, you can guys, go next if you want. What's your guys' take on prairie winters? A couple prairie guys. I know you guys have had a lot of experience in the cold. Cold. <laughs> Cold. Cold. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, boss. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, uh, like you said, Tyler, Jamer and I were lucky enough to escape it early. So I haven't had to endure a cold winter in a long time. Going back for Christmas, though, I'm glad that it's a short, a short stay so I can get back to the warmer weather. But no, it'll, it'll change you. I remember talking to you around Christmas time this year, Mawson, and you weren't going down, you weren't going back to Saskatchewan. You went to like California or something. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been lucky enough. My older sister lives down there now, so I've been able to avoid it altogether for a, a couple of years now in a row, but only going back in the summertime now when it's yeah. nice and toasty. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely cold, sorry, but uh, it's, I'd say it's more of like a dry cold and a humid cold. I mean, I hear those East Coast winters are just, you know, something out of legends and, you know, horror stories, really. But, uh, I mean, obviously, the prairie colds, it's cold, yeah. You know, playing outside at, you know, minus 15, minus 20, it'll definitely change you. But I, I don't know, man. Call me call me a psycho. But to be honest with you, I kind of miss them. I uh, kind of miss them being out here. Been out here for a while now, probably because I haven't had to experience them for a while. But, yeah, there's definitely something about hitting the ODR with the fellas, you know, just giving it. The ODR, I love that phrase, like the ODR, such a great acronym. (laughs) Yeah, great, man, great. Outdoor rink, outdoor rink for you you left coasters. (laughs) But there also is something great about a Canadian winter too. I mean, it's kind of like a badge of honor being able to say you can go out and do your job in a minus 25 kind of thing. And it also is nice. This is my first year living on the island and I rode my bike to work every day in January and December and February, not in that order. I thought it was fantastic. But it also is great to experience a, a real Canadian winter every once in a while. It can humble you a little bit. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then plus, it, you know, it keeps uh, Canada's population down a little bit, you know. They look at that <laughs> bright side. There you go. <laughs> That's a take right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hot, even, would you say it was a hot take even? I don't know. <laughs> hot take or maybe a cold take. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, nice. <laughs> We talked, uh, so obviously a huge focal point of this podcast was the gold medal match against UBC. What is it about playing UBC? Can you just tell us what that, I know you guys have a lot of respect. There's respect on both sides, but what is that rivalry like when you're in the game between the sidelines? What is that like? The banter's going, I can tell you that. Because we're so, we're so familiar with a lot of the guys, sometimes it can get a little personal and then it gets a little heated and you'll often see a couple face washes in the dirt at the bottom of the ruck or maybe a little bit of knee to the ribs. But again, uh, coming out of the game, you know, it's, it's all in the game and it's left on the field and go and share your pint afterwards. No, absolutely. I mean, obviously UBC, you look at them physically, they're a little bit more uh, on our level, but I mean, physicality wise, whether, you know, actually those collisions and there's just something a little bit more when we play UBC, you know, something, you think you might be playing your best game against someone else, but or it might be going as hard as you can. But UBC just brings that another level to you. A lot of a lot of competition against those boys. Uh, I mean, this year 
we were going when all the, the COVID pandemic actually canceled the last half of the season. We're actually three days away from the boot game. And that was just absolute heartbreaker. I mean, Nashville is obviously was awesome. Incredibly humbling experience. But I mean, it's all about the boot. You hear Doug and Rickard talk about it. They just wanted that boot back more than anything. So yeah, honestly, I, I know a lot of alumni and past Vikes, current Vikes. And to be honest with you, they don't really care about anything else other than UBC. Obviously they care, but I mean, they get up for UBC more than any other game. Yeah, that's a rivalry that's been around for ages and it will continue on. Yeah. Okay, so we got three more uh, takes here. Some good ones coming up. Fake teeth. That's all you, buddy. <laughs> don't, know, don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Fake teeth. They're not for everyone. It can be tough depending on how you lose them. But you know what? From just heard it from a friend, but uh, they are great party tricks. You know, you might want to. Yeah, you know, hide, hide them in someone's drink. <laughs> that nasty surprise for some people. You know what, man? Absolute pain when your friends, I mean, again, heard it from a friend, but when your friends think it's funny to steal them and hide them and <laughs> run away from them. I mean, steal them out of your mouth? Nah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, not all the time, not always. Uh, but no, I mean, you might put them down somewhere. I mean, you know, you might be eating because I, I can't eat with them in. So I got to put them down when I, when we go out to restaurants and stuff. So some, I know, mean, I know, uh, the Canadian U20 boys a few years ago, we we're in Romania on a farm and this, you know, obviously this farmer had opened up his house to us and we were trying to be as respectful as possible. And we're enjoying this nice meal. And I put my teeth down on a, you know, nice clean cloth for a little bit. And I uh, looked down about 30 seconds later and they're gone. And I was just, I looked around, man. And everyone was just playing it so cool i couldn't find them for like three days they're gone oh um, my god wow yeah so uh and i actually had to do an interview like a captain's picture with uh no teeth so it was a good experience to say the least but you know what? yep not for everyone uh can be fun uh but you know with uh no teeth come great responsibility so you've heard that you like to take your teeth out when you introduce yourself to people <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> the, the hesitation, the hesitation. Tell you, tell you what, man. I first, I don't. I like to. Uh, I don't like to tell a lot of people because then people, you know, want you to try and get, you know, do funny things with them, and whatnot. But sometimes the guys will come up to me, you know, if they they just start seeing a girl or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, James, James, do do the tea thing to uh, to my new girlfriend." I'll be like, "Oh, okay, so that's all. so I'll just." <laughs> I'll just I'll just come up to them and you know just nonchalantly be like, hey, sorry, I, I don't know, like, do I have something like stuck in my teeth there? And I'll just, yep. Yeah. Uh, you wait until they like really focus on your teeth, you know, and you just like pop them out, and yeah, it's good for a good fright. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I don't, I don't like, I don't like to take them out when I meet new people. Not all the time. Makes for a good party trick, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, we heard uh, maybe a party trick or something you might be wearing at a party. The budgie smugglers. Fill us in on those. Recommended. Huge thumbs up. Give us a, a definition of a budgie smuggler to begin, and then let's get some context to these. A budgie smuggler is just the, the reimagined uh, Speedo. It's the best way to put it, the male Speedo. And we, this year, thought, again, for the culture, uh, enjoying... enjoying uh, Mainly for the ice baths is what the budgies were used for. But we're able to, we all brought them out to Portugal as well. So everyone was blessed to see 
25 rugby guys and our budgies out in the beaches of Portugal. <laughs> it was good, man. It's uh, it's good for spreading the Vikes brand. You know, it really gets people's attention. <laughs> Dude, they're great. You can wear them anywhere. You know, I've, I've worn them to... Versatile. Uh, first, very versatile. I've worn them to special occasions and everything. You know, they just go under everything. No problem. But I know, you know, some of the other varsity teams aren't the biggest fans of them. I know I was... Uh, Standing in the ice bath. Oh man, it must have been back in October, beginning of November. And a couple of the rugby guys were in one one of the ice baths and a few of the field hockey girls were in the other. And none other but Carter White walks in, towel around his waist, comes in, just talking to us. Doesn't even break eye contact with me. He's just chatting away and he takes his towel off and uh, he doesn't even think about it. He just like walks into the tub where the um, field hockey girls are sitting and they <laughs> they all like all but one. All but one just got out of the tub immediately, saw saw the power of the Mike Speedo coming, and the other one was just kind of huddled into the corner while, you know, Carter, just oblivious, man, just chatting away to me, having a great time, didn't even notice. So, yeah, they're, uh, they're a bit, bit like Marmite, man, either you love it or you hate it, you know, so. Available as a side hustle for you guys soon? You going to start selling them around campus? Dude, absolutely, man. I mean, I know a guy who, uh, we got him from uh, a fella, Pirate Packs is uh, our brand, actually. We got him from Hong Kong. Great guy. And yeah, they're always for sale. If anyone wants them, you know, wants to look as cool as us, you know, reach out to me or Mawson and uh, just let us know. We'll sort you out. There might be a little calendar coming through the works as well. So <laughs> Budgie we'll Smuggler what... calendar. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, we're still working on that one, trying to, you know, be extra, extra, extra nice to Clint, Clint Hamilton and James Keogh. I mean, hopefully they'll go for it, but I mean, who knows? Great fundraising <laughs> opportunity though. Great fundraising opportunity. I've heard, I heard a rumor that one time, I don't know if you guys are part of this crew, but you guys were hitting biceps just in your budgie smugglers. Have you heard that story? I wouldn't know what you were talking about. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> that doesn't sound like us. That does not sound like us, no. <laughs> I might take you up on the budgie smuggler. I, got, I was gifted a Speedo for the U Sports Swimming National Championship. And I'm becoming more and more comfortable with it. I'm busting it out at the family pool and in hot tubs and stuff. It's a good luck. Well, yeah, I mean, the family pool might be, uh, you know, that's, that might be pushing it a bit there, Tyler. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's usually funny when, I mean, personally, from personal experience, I'm not usually a speedo guy, a shocker, but going to beaches and pools and lakes, you know, when you're in the group, big group of fellas, really funny, people point and laugh. I mean, I went to the beach the other day uh, for the ice bath, and um, I just realized that I'll stand there by myself in my speedo and it was no longer funny. I felt quite awkward. I'm not going to lie, but, uh, it's, it's it, man. It, it definitely confidence is definitely something that you need. And I tell you, you seem like a pretty confident fellow, man. I think you can rock him. I think we can set you up. No problem. All right. I'll be in touch. The interesting thing about that as well is that a lot of rugby guys actually only wear the budgie smuggler under their shorts in game. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I knew so that they kinda... were really big in the rugby community and different guys would get like custom ones for their teams and clubs and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think but, uh, the big one was the nine for South Africa. He was celebrating in the change room after winning the world cup and just as budgie smuggler. <laughs> That's so yeah, I'm sure for you, you guys brought your budgie smugglers to Montreal. Hey, Oh, it would have been a done deal. <laughs> Dude. Key. Absolute key uh, for recovery. Absolutely. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Last subject or topic. I hope this doesn't hit too close to home for you, Mostyn. You were for me when we we're wrecking the beer tent at the basketball games, too, and we're buddies. So technically, you're a friend employed by a friend. I've heard that you uh, have been employed by a rug, one of the rugby coaches, and it didn't go too too well. 
Uh, what happened there? Yeah, Thin ice um, here, Liam. Thin ice, yeah, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. All right. I see where we stand right now, Liam. Uh, <laughs> hey, Mawson. Hey, Mawson. No, no lies here, fella. No lies. No uh, lies. Yeah, no lies. On the, re- on the record. On the record. No, it was. It started out very well. Everything was going good. I was the, the second-hand man for a little bit. The, you know, so one night after uh, a couple of drinks with the guys, I came home and... I had actually broken my phone. And so no alarms for the morning, slept in. Next thing you know, the the company truck is no longer in the driveway. Wow, uh, just like that. Yeah, the uh, the guys had come pick it up and had gone to work and left me behind. And that was that. But uh, we still we still have a, a good friendship beyond that. I still hang out with the guys. So understandable. I'll, I'll wear that one on the ch- on the chin. But yeah, don't don't break your phone before having to get up in the morning. Or you know, don't maybe don't go out the night before either. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Valid. Valid. Oh, I mean, worry. canoe man, canoe's deadly. Canoe, canoe's tempting. Canoe is tempting. Canoe's Worth tempting, it. and you guys always seem to be at the local one night a week too. Have to, man, under contract. Yeah. Well, Austin, when we get when we get back to having basketball games, I'll make sure that I give you the best shifts possible. I promise you that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for those hot takes and the thoughts on 11 random topics there, guys. We greatly appreciate it. With your upcoming season, unfortunately, getting canceled and you both potentially having more time on your hands this fall and on the weekends, we wanted to end the show by asking you what you'll be up to this fall. Well, I know Mawson, he's a big, big pumpkin carving guy, so he'll probably be uh, hitting on that pretty early. You know, uh, Make sure he gets to the patch, gets his good pumpkins. Yeah, I'm. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm up in the air. I'm definitely, uh, definitely taking classes, but rugby wise, not really sure uh, where my path is gone. Definitely gonna figure out, figure that out sooner or later. But uh, yeah, definitely just trying to do some classes, whatever that looks like. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm closing out my last year of my uh, BCom degree and with Gustafson. So I'll be actually working in the fall and in the spring for my last two co-op work terms. But other than that, training getting out for touch if if we can for with as much as possible with the guys and because we've had such long seasons in the past honestly enjoying the time off a little bit and taking a deep breath and hopefully coming back in the spring ready and fired up to finish off the half of the season that we didn't get to this year i want to ask you guys just before we end off were there any hot takes that you guys want to bring up on the show that you didn't get the opportunity to Yes. Uh, ah. James it sounds like you want you might be one of our biggest fans and uh, you listen to quite a few of the episodes. So I'm yeah, sure there's some awesome. stuff you've heard and you've just totally disagreed with, especially with Tyler's opinions. What? Man, oh, you just, you got a buddy now to back yourself up now, eh? That's why you're going to Nope, nope. I think I basically, and let me just look at the list here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, I, I think I've basically covered uh, everything I wanted. Uh, yeah, obviously great show. Huge fan, of sh- huge fan of the show. I think it's great for the program. It's definitely good to bring more light to the uh, varsity program. I mean, to tell you the truth, one thing I'm disappointed uh, that you didn't bring up, hot take, is, you know, who did it? Joe Exotic or Carol Baskin? Come on, give it to me. Carol did what it. Think? Carol. Hands down, eh? Yeah, I 100% believe Carol killed her husband. 1,000. Did you hear what uh, what happened a few a few weeks ago? Like apparently Carol won the lawsuit or whatever and got everything really? that. Yeah, apparently, yeah. I mean, I'm again. I, I need to double check that, but that's just what I heard on the radio. Apparently, Joe lost everything to Carol. Wow, Tyler, do you know what we're talking about at all? 
Yes, I watched the Tiger King. We did a we did a Michael Jordan last dance breakdown. The Tiger King breakdown would have happened prior to podcast days when that whole documentary blew up. But yeah, I watched it and I don't know. Don't you think they would have found pieces of her husband in the tiger cage? Do you think the tigers just eat every single thing of a human being? I don't know. Yeah, dude. I, I must have paid someone off, to be honest with you. I mean, personally, I don't. I couldn't get past the first episode, to tell the truth. I've just, you know, heard, heard of this debate many times. Just wanted to Toss you know, stoke, stoke the fire, see what happened. But no, I don't know, man. She must be paying someone off or something. Because those people I'm just confused. Nuts. Like, how is, she any, how is she any different than the other two or three tiger people? It's like, they're not all the same. They all different. do this. Not any different at all. If anything, mm-hmm. just, just as strange, just as yeah. peculiar. I'm surprised you only watched the first episode, considering how similar yours and Joe's Exotic's wardrobe is. <laughs> honestly man joey boy that guy can dress up and his his, uh, his country albums man i got him there on my yeah, workout playlist now. dude listen yeah. to oh, he's got almost every beats. day yeah no they're and good absolutely 100 accurate 100 accurate yeah definitely his voice too <laughs> so, yeah mixture of fergie and jesus really i mean come on you know what? actually one thing i want to ask you guys before we let you go here <laughs> I keep on bringing one more thing, but you yeah. guys were heavily requested as a couple guys that should come on the show. So I want you guys to call out some of your fellow varsity teammates, people in other programs that you'd like to see out here. All right. For me personally, I'm going to rattle off. I, I got to gotta get back to work here pretty quick. But Carlos from the basketball team, get that man yeah. on. He's dangerous. Going to need Jordan, uh, alumni from UVic men's basketball. From our, from our neck of the woods, you're going to need Carter White. I mean, I've talked to him about him. I pumped his tires now. If you got to have the man on the show, the people are going to love it. Probably, you know, someone like Carter White and Jenner, they'll, they'll do well. They'll go well. <sighs> I mean, you've already had uh, a few uh, superstars on. I mean, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll have a serious think about it. And if I think of anything else more... I'll let you know. But uh, yeah, a lot of personalities out there. Oh, there's good fellow Cockernite Mulaney on there and doing well. So what about you, Mawson? Come on. Yeah, let's hear it. I think you got to throw in Jonas Robinson so you can give a couple sh- uh, little shots back at me. Who should we get on here with Jonas? Who's a good pairing? Jonas? Uh, I mean, Noah, Noah Bain worships the ground he walks on, but I mean, <laughs> probably want to go Jonas. Uh, what do you reckon? Oh, man, maybe Gabe Casey, dude, honestly. Gabe Jonas Casey? Gabe? Or Logan Martin Feek, man. Logan Martin Feek, Jonas. Logan and Jonas would be a good combo for sure. Okay, I'll look into that for sure. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Can't say it enough how fun this has been. And we'll hopefully hear from you guys soon. See you soon on campus. So thanks again and take care. 100%. Thank Cheers, you so guys. much. Had a great time. Had us. a great time. Cheers, boys. Thank you. you've got a budgie smuggler in the mail put a text into my new buddy james o'neill and uh, i'm i'm hoping one shows up i got a highly anticipated bachelor party coming up in the shoe show up in august i think for 
three nights. So that's good. That's a bit of a long one. Appreciate it. If uh, one showed up on my front door, we'll see how it goes, but I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like it's perfect summertime apparel, especially here in the Shishwa. Yeah, let's just hope you don't have some bad tan lines leading into it. Some really dark legs and then the area in your upper thigh is probably a little bit white, isn't it? I always work on the thigh tan. I don't want to make it seem like I'm wearing dark socks and then white shorts whenever I you know, jump in the pool and I'm not glowing underwater. It's, it's something I'm conscious about. The weather, it needs to take a turn here in the interior being pretty cool. Uh, I just realized we talked about the bachelor party. Now I'm talking about the weather. Like this is coming out in September. So everything's like long after it already happened, but whatever. If the summer weather wants to crank it up a couple notches and I can work on my tan, I'm, I'm all for that. I think something that really stood out to me with this podcast is these guys have known each other a long time. Like they, yeah. they went to high school together. They played for Canada together. And then now they're playing with the Vikes and they're, they're both three, I want to say three or four years into their experience with the Vikes. And you can really tell that these guys know each other well and have a good relationship. So it's funny to hear what they get up to uh, off the field, as well as how that relationship with one another kind of like stimulates their play as well on the field. Yes, you're absolutely right. And before we were recording the episode, you were just kind of chatting with James and he was mentioning that he just moved to a new spot and he was walking distance from a couple patios downtown. I think if you and I rolled up and hung out at a patio that they'd be at. And I'm, it sounds like you're a little bit closer than I am with them. Obviously I think we'd be very welcome. And I think we'd have a great, great time killing an afternoon down on a patio with those two. Oh yeah. These boys are fun to be around for sure. Absolute great guys, legends, beauties, all those names in the rugby community that the lads get associated with these guys definitely qualify. So Tyler, how about if people are liking these podcasts, what can they do to help us out? Keep them coming. We love the volunteer names, whether it's a self-nomination or you're nominating a couple of your buddies. What we're crossing off, I think we have all the sports crossed off here. I know we have a women's rugby one planned, so more guests, the better. We love chatting with all of our athletes, so let us know who you want to have on the show. And then keep the popularity growing. Give us a solid rating. Give us a nice review. Click subscribe. We would appreciate it. We would greatly appreciate it. I think one of my favorite things that you said is uh, give us a nice rating, but don't give us a nice enough rating that our bosses will question it. Yeah, there's a couple of ratings on there. I don't know if they're from someone in the bikes or maybe a buddy of mine that I told to leave a good review, but maybe we need some actual athletes to leave a nice review on there. Pump our tires a little bit. Do us a favor, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Give and Go Bikes. We'll catch you guys on the next one with another exciting athlete guest. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Give and Go Bikes podcast, supported by the UVic Alumni Association. 